Yeah. Gav, you look like um, you haven't slept for about two weeks or something. <laughs> I, I was going to say he looks like the replacement lead singer of The Lost Prophets. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, just looking at you does repulse me, but... Uh... <laughs> Get it going. I don't make jokes about my parents all the time, but like that was it. That was like, honestly, it was like looking like deep into the eyes of the portrait of fucking Dorian Gray <laughs> after it had been burnt on a bonfire. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone and welcome to another edition of Films on Trial. I'm Gav. I'm Alex. I'm Joel. I'm Dave. It's October, and you know what that means. <laughs> That's right, it's Halloween Horror Month. This month, we'll be putting two horror movies on trial as we make a sacrifice to the Halloween gods, which are Dave. Uh, John Carpenter. Uh, yeah, go on. Yeah, why not? And um, Cthulhu. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, I was thinking... Uh, Rel- Religion's still in its early stages. <laughs> Alice Cooper's got to be in there as well. Uh, now, we're, we're going to be kicking off this Halloween horror season with a sequel to one of Ozzy's favourite films. It's Hocus Pocus 2. Is it Hocus Pocus or is it Potostrokus? <laughs> <laughs> Which, well, the president, president of the United, the United States. States. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, that, that could be a positive or, or negative, depending on which POTUS we're talking about just, here. Ju- just so people know, Gav, before we started recording, said that he had a really good joke that he made him <laughs> laugh. And I'm, I'm, every time he tells a joke, I'm like, is, was that the joke, Gav, that made you? Was it POTUS strokes? <laughs> strokus? No, no, it wasn't that. No, okay, no, I'll, no, let, no. let us know. Okay. <laughs> now, essentially, we're going to be trying to find out if this film will be placed on our esteemed hit list or our steaming shit list. Now, before we go on, our last film on trial was The Impossible. Dave, you judged that trial and deemed that the film should be placed on our hit list. Now, you've since gone away and you've watched the film. So, did you make the right call or not? Yes, yes, I did. I, I remember watching The Impossible and I, I liked it. I thought it was a really good film. Different take on a disaster movie and obviously one that's actually grounded in a real life tragedy. So it, it was very well done, very respectfully done. Uh, it's, I'm casting my mind way back. It feels like I watched this a long time ago, but um, I remember enjoying it. Uh, so, yeah, I stand by my decision on The Impossible. I'm happy with that one. Yeah, well, you are casting your mind a while back because we did record it a good a good few weeks back, didn't we? That we have had yeah. a little bit of a hiatus, and yeah, I, I've just recently re-listened to it and surprised how often I laughed listening to the episodes when it was quite a <laughs> such <somber>. a stark <laughs> tragic event. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But, you know, that's what you get with films on trial. You know, if tuned into an episode, which is supposed to be a very somber drama, you're going to probably spend 60% of the time listening to inappropriate jokes. Oh, yeah. Fucking Green I'm Mile agreed. episode. I'm aggrieved that the Eight Mile episode didn't get more awards, to be honest. Eight Mile. <laughs> mile. <laughs> three, three mile. Green Mile. Green Mile. I mean, it could have been. It could have been any mile. Tom Hanks becomes a rapper in the underground Chicago scene. <laughs> <laughs> after, he, after he pulled out that that piece, it could have been. <laughs> <laughs> well, do, do you remember a few months back? I did submit an episode to the British Podcast Awards, uh, <laughs> and uh, you'd be surprised. How, to how hear... did that go, by the way, Gav? <laughs> well, I submitted. And said, "Don't contact us." Again. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, whether I submitted the Green Man or not, we'll, we'll have to find out another day. Uh, now, wow. before we go on to the trial itself, I thought what I'd do, because, you know, we're in the spirit of Halloween, I'd start things off by telling a little Halloween-themed joke, which I've just written myself. Brilliant. <laughs> so, here we go. Tell me what you think, guys, right? Have I got a career as a stand-up comedian here? How did the lady know that she was being haunted by the ghost of a teenage boy. Hmm. I'm, I'm quite scared to answer. No, yeah, we're all, we're all I'm taking the fifth on this one. <laughs> because every time she went to take a shower, she could hear a cry of boobies. Oh my Christ. 
Like, <laughs> was that the joke, Gav? <laughs> yeah. It's, oh, fuck. it's tamer than I imagined, and yet worse at the same yeah. time. Yeah. That's it. That's got to be like up there with worst joke. Yeah. I just want to explain to everyone listening that Gav has been very sick. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for for a long, long, long time. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, fever, fever has wrecked his brain, yeah. <laughs> and his lungs, oh. by the sounds of it. Oh, well, anyway, I I thought it was great, <laughs> and I'm going to be submitting that as part of our submission for next year's entry for the British Podcast Awards. <laughs> Which means we probably won't hear anything back from them again until <laughs> 2024. Now, okay, on to the trial itself. So all of the roles have been picked out of the hat at random. Acting in defense and trying to get this film placed on the hit list is Ozzy, who is just like Bette Midler's character, Winifred Sanderson, always exuberantly dressed and able to control electricity. Toothy as well. What, sorry? I'm very toothy. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I, I thought I thought I would be nice this time round. I was going to say book tooth idiot as well, but uh, <laughs> I decided to leave that out. <laughs> anyway, joining Ozzy is Dave, and he's just like Kathy Najimy's character, Mary Sanderson. Some would say the most quiet and inoffensive one of the group, but we all know that deep down, he's a real piece of shit. <laughs> what have you got against Mary Sanderson? <laughs> she is a child murderer, Dave. <laughs> they all are. Come on. Tutti cop of Ollie and a sooner cop of Ollie and all that. <laughs> and uh, acting as prosecution and trying to get this film placed on the shit list is Alex. And Alex is just like Sarah Jessica Parker's oh. character, Sarah Sanderson, widely associated with sex and the city. No, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, guys. Uh, uh, joining Alex is me, and I'm just like Doug Jones's character, Billy Butcherson. You guys will do anything to shut me up, and I emit smells like I've been dead for 300 years. <laughs> Not quite <laughs> off, to be honest. Incredibly similar. Yeah. Now, just like real court advocates, the defense and prosecution will be making the best case for their roles. These may or may not be their real opinions, though, so do stay tuned until the end of the episode to hear what they really think. And in the role of judge who has to decide which list this film should be placed on, hit or shit, based solely on the arguments put to him, is Joel. And Joel is just like Hannah Waddington's character, the witch mother, on a dark, cold October night. You can find him lurking in the bushes. <laughs> Those bushes are often violently shaken, aren't they, Joel? Disgraceful. <laughs> you don't need to answer that, Joel. You don't. don't confirm or deny that, Joel. You're, you're it's because it's so cold, okay? <laughs> Before we get started, I think we should give the audience a bit of a better understanding as to what this film is all about. So let's spin the Halloween Wheel of Impressions. It's very Halloween today. Why Good one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was an evil man on a horse. <laughs> could, have, could have said Ed, Headless Horseman. <laughs> I, could, I could have, yeah. Oh, it's, land, it's landed on, on me. I can't remember last time it landed on me, to be fair. But yeah, it's landed on me. How would you like me to deliver the impression? Bearing in mind, I've still got COVID mouth. So belting it out like Bette Midler isn't going to be. Yeah. <laughs> Bette Midler, I'm going to go with that. Yeah, belt it out like Bette Midler is what I was. Or or just a regular Bette Midler impression. A regular Bette Midler impression. <laughs> Come on, yeah. everyone's got a Bette Midler, Gav. Everyone's Jesus. got a Bette Midler. <laughs> you don't got a Bette Midler? Fucking <laughs> like hell. <laughs> probably just well it doesn't matter yeah sorry <laughs> oh God, yes, sorry I, I, it's, it's so rarely it, it could be like everyone else's impression turns into a christopher walken okay I think literally yeah. every impression turns into christopher walken as well. every impression i do turns into christopher walken yeah <laughs> okay ready two young women accidentally bring back the Sanderson sisters to modern-day Salem and must figure out how to stop the child-hungry witches from wreaking havoc on the world! 
<laughs> Brilliant. That's a great Brilliant. rich impression. Yeah, love it. Yeah, okay. I think it sounded like Hampo. But he fucking hell, he did. A young Elizabeth II there. <laughs> uh, so, Joel, would you like to please kick off proceedings? Certainly will. So, I mean, you guys know me. If there's one thing I like, it's it's crushing dreams. So, obviously, Ozzy, this is, uh, you know, in the original that was quite close to your heart and obviously shaped you into the person you are today. Um, so, the sequel, obviously, I presume you've got high hopes for that. So, do you want to, um, you know, kick it off and say what's, what's been going on since uh, their plan was foiled in the original? Yeah, so you know what? This one took me by surprise because it um, there was a little bit of a little bit of a prequel to start with. You get to learn all about how um, how they became who they are and why they're so um, they're so hateful over the Salem uh, crowd and the and the the locals of Salem and what what why they've sworn to come back and and haunt the area. You know um, how they were sort of chastised and sent away from the city. Then they get out there. They meet. Um, this queen witch and that's how she gets the book if you remember the book with the eye and that's the spell book and that's kind of the the main premise of uh winifred's powers is that all of the spells are within this book so you learn where she gets this book and she gets told never say this spell and she promises to never do the spell and you have to remember that for the entire film naturally it's going to come back at the end so so then we we then split to modern day um, and we've got two, you know, three new characters, uh, new friends who who it's practice a bit of witchcraft. You know, they're they're young teenagers pretending to um, you know trying to experiment with witch witchcraft and, and little spells and just general good luck charms. Um, it's one of their 16th birthdays. They go to the magic shop and they go there. They're always buying little trinkets for being witchy off the uh, the main seller, and he gives them a birthday present. And one of these presents is a candle. And if you remember from Hocus Pocus 1, the candle is a black flame candle, which we all thought was burnt out when the first virgin opened the candle. So now we've got a new... Somebody's lit the candle, the witches are back, uh, and all havoc breaks loose. And they, they they wrap back up. And I think this time around, it's... Um, so they, they come back. Their whole goal is to do exactly the same as last time. Finish the spell, become, um, become all-powerful, and then wreak havoc on Salem. And for me, I thought it was, I was pleasantly surprised. I, I really did fear that it was going to be um, it was going to be pretty crap. And um, I was I was very pleasantly surprised that they did a good job. They um, they paid great homage to what came before it. It looked like the the sisters had a wonderful time revisiting um, the characters that they'd done before. And um, and you know while it's not this is not the world's greatest sequel. But it's a really good replay of where we're at, so that new new Disney watchers have got to have the same hocus pocus experience that I had. Okay, thanks, Ozzy. So, prosecution. You know, Ozzy said something about black candles and virgins. Obviously, well, the, rest was, the rest sort of filled out. Just kind of went over my head. The rest of it, to be honest. Um, but uh, you know, in, in this day and age, uh, we've got real problems. I think at the moment with with lack of originality and that type of thing in Hollywood. Just <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Bloody know. black candles and virgins in Disney bit. <laughs> well, we've got a real problem with those virgins these days. <laughs> they're getting they're older off. and older. And those black candles virgins, are getting blacker black and blacker. <laughs> so, um, You've, you've just completely derailed my story. Sorry, sorry, Joel. <laughs> right, so we're going back to the defence. You, you, you've used up your chance. Um, okay, so yeah, to defence. Just um, you know, I'm just looking for basically a counter argument to to the points that Austin produced. So, uh, Joel, I know that you've seen the first Hocus Pocus film as as we all did here on the podcast about three years ago. Uh, just a plug, guys, if you haven't checked it out, please uh -huh. give it a listen. It is a very good episode. So it's essentially, I'm sorry that you had to sit there and listen to Aussie Babylon for so long because it's fucking pointless providing an overview of what happens in this sequel because it's essentially the same fucking plot. So Aussie, you wasted your own breath there, pal. But, it's, it's a film, you might as well watch it twice. <laughs> but just them in high definition, you know? Okay, right. But the main thing is that the original was fun, funny, camp, 
engaging. This just feels like a poor retread. Everything that you liked about the first film is here, but just a little diluted and a little underwhelming. Midler, Najimi, and Parker are all back, but their performances are just a little more tired. Obviously understandable after the passage of 30 years. There's also like a musical rendition here of one way or another for some reason, which isn't as entertaining or as relevant as I put a spell on you from the first film. Then you have the fact that it's set in Salem, but it isn't actually filmed in Salem. It's filmed somewhere else. So you don't have the same aesthetic as the first film. Then you have the practical effects of the book and other stunts and other elements from the film are subbed for subpar CGI. It's just all very mediocre. And I just want to pick out a little bit of what Ozzy said there at the beginning. You have this very... Uh, well, I'd say that oh, the whole story is pretty bland and uninteresting, but right at the very beginning, I think the director and the writer make such a strange decision that basically torpedoes the entire film from that point onwards. They, basically, they have the Sanderson sisters, as Ozzy said, when they were young, being bullied, ridiculed, and ostracized by their town for being different. And then they were essentially manipulated in to becoming witches by this powerful witch played by Hannah Waddington. So we're supposed to feel sympathy for the sisters, I suppose. But throughout the entire last film, or first film, I should say, they were these power-hungry child murderers, you know, albeit very fun ones who had a bit of a sing-song every now and again, like, I don't know, PG versions of Freddy Krueger. But they were still villains but I thought, you know, okay, maybe there is going to be a moment where the sisters will have to help the heroes out against a bigger, badder enemy, for example, Hannah, Wadding's sorry, Hannah Waddington's character that we were just introduced to. But that doesn't happen either. They're pretty much the same villainous characters from the first movie for 95% of this one, only really showing any sort of redeemable quality in the final 10 minutes of the film. So if there isn't going to be this heroic act by the villains at some point in the film then why bother showing us why they broke bad in the first place i just don't understand it i don't know if the filmmakers are trying to acknowledge the fans or something you know i mean in the 30 years since the original hocus pocus and the sanderson sisters have become something of lgbtq plus icons essentially and maybe the opening scene before they meet this grand witch was the filmmakers way of honoring their fans but I, that's just a stretch that I, I, I don't actually know because I, I just don't understand why you would give villains like this who don't, who, you know, there isn't a redeeming arc in the film. Why would you would give villains like this a sympathetic backstory uh, unless it has a direct impact or relation to any other point in the film? This just feels completely useless. But then we have the very final scene of the film shows the heroes walking off into the moon set, the, sort of the setting of the moon, yeah, and you, you know what I mean, as this tropical bird flies past in the distance. That same bird transformed in the very opening scenes, revealing itself to be Hannah Waddington's big bad witch. So is this whole thing a setup for a third film in which the Sanderson sisters will then help fight Hannah Waddington with the heroes, and if that's well, the case, the, it just feels. I mean, there there was a good there was a good cut scene at the end. I don't know if you stayed behind for that, where there's a new black candle. So, yeah, I fucking did stay behind for it, mate, and it wasn't a good cut scene. You're talking bollocks, like this is. <laughs> he's he's coming in hot off this COVID, isn't he? Jesus Christ! <laughs> fucking the good fucking cutscene. It zooms into a fucking box that says second black candle." The whole thing feels very presumptuous and pretty clunkily set up. And then look at that compared to you know how ambiguous some of the Marvel cutscenes were. But me, it's not fucking because a case of this is better than a Marvel cutscene. Don't have a cutscene. <laughs> why not? This is what's coming. No, why not just introduce oh, that character? Story. Like, why not introduce that character in this film? You know, like make this story more entertaining. Try and make this one one decent film instead of trying to string it out to make one average franchise. That's all I'm saying. The the whole film is just. It feels like the filmmakers followed the perfect spell to recreate the original film, but they used ingredients from the fucking whoopsie aisle at Quicksave. The perfect spell. Did you hear that, Joel? They made the perfect spell to create. But with the shittest ingredients, mate. 
All I was, been, all I heard there was an incredible was recipe with safe. four ingredients is a beautiful meal, mate. That's what you've got to think. You know, you can build, you can make a beautiful roast dinner shopping at Aldi. I don't even know what you're talking about anymore. <laughs> In this this time of of austerity, Gav, you need to be less of a snob and think that we can eat from uh, from Neto if it still exists. Yeah, but you could also build a snowman out of shit. But you know, he would look the part, but he'd be made be a of shit. fucking shit. It wouldn't be a snowman anymore. I, I I am lost. Are we in quick save or we got a shit snowman going on? I, I don't, honestly don't know anymore. Where are we? Yeah, I I, I I'm completely lost. I think both of them have, uh, completely destroyed both of their arguments. To be honest. Um, okay, so Dave, I want your input here. Yeah. Um, so it very much sounds like from what Gav is saying that, um, unsurprisingly, it they've tried to uh, you know kind of whittle out a, almost like a cash grab, and they're, they're trying to turn it into a franchise type of thing. It seems like a strange decision to you know kind of make the witches that were essentially the evil characters in the first one to now make them characters that you're meant to kind of feel sorry for and maybe almost get behind. So what what's what's your take on that? And you know anything else that you want to? Uh, give input on in, in terms of the story and the plot. Yeah, well, first of all, I wouldn't pay much attention to what Gav says. You know, Fever's clearly done a number on his brain. He's, <laughs> Hannah Waddingham's not even in this film. No, she is. I'm kidding. He's not, he's not, he's not going completely crazy. Um, now, I understand where Gav's coming from. I think he's put a lot of emphasis on this opening sequence, uh, which I just enjoyed. I, I liked, like Austin said, the young girls that they got to play, uh, the younger versions of the Sanderson sisters, I thought did a great job of impersonating their older counterparts. And I, I just enjoyed the opening scene. It's quite short. For what it is, uh, I think the reason it's there, if I if I can give my my two pence on this, is the introduction of Hannah Waddingham's character. I think, yeah, I think Gav might be right, and they might be teeing up some sort of franchise. I'm thinking maybe I'm feeling maybe TV series, uh, some sort of thing in the Hocus Pocus universe. I don't think it's going to involve the Sanderson oh sisters, though. Not the Hocus Pocus universe. Don't well, say that maybe, sentence, maybe. please. I think I don't think they've <laughs> no committed more. to it. I don't think they've committed yeah. to it, but I think they're basically they're keeping their they're keeping it open just in case. And I think Hadda Waddingham is someone they can rely on to maybe be a constant throughout this franchise. If it becomes a franchise, it might not. But I think the thing, it's got nothing to do with the Sanderson sisters. I think we've seen the last of them. Getting them back together for this, for this sequel was a hell of a task in and of itself. I think that's the last of the Sanderson sisters now. I think we've, we've said goodbye to those characters. I don't think we're going to get a reunion of those three on screen again. Uh, so I think if it goes forward, it's going to go forward with younger witches. And now we've been introduced to Hannah Waddingham, who, like I say, might be the constant in this series. If it goes forward that way, which it, it might not, to be honest with you, we'll see how it goes. Um, I don't think this is a cash grab. Not at all. Even with the potential of, of, of a franchise down the line, I don't believe this is a cash grab. Bear in mind, this hasn't been released for the cinemas. This hasn't been really, and it's not like we've, we've done films on here before, which have been released to streaming, where it's like they were going for a cinematic release and then they backtracked, realized, uh oh, test audience scores aren't good. Let's just release it on streaming. That's not what this is. This was only ever made for streaming on Disney Plus. It was never going to have a cinematic release. So it's not like they lost faith in the project. This is the avenue it was meant to go down. And I think they've spent a decent amount of money on this for the fans more than anything else. It's not a cash grab because you're giving it away with your subscription. I do think it is for the fans. Um, I think they've listened to what the fans wanted. Like Gav said, you get to see um, basically everything you liked about the first one is back. You know, you wanted a musical number. You got one. You want Billy Butcherson back. You got one. You want the original three Sanderson sisters. You got them. Let's face it. The film wouldn't work if you were missing even one of them. Everything the fans were calling out for, they got in this film and they've been calling out for this for about 20 odd years now. And, and my throat is hoarse from calling out. Yeah. Just screaming into the night, like, like a banshee. I hear him from, from Birkdale. <laughs> you know, and finally the film is here. Especially this time of year, and now I feel sated. There you go. You see, no more crying out in the night. <laughs> That's what we all wanted. Uh, I, I don't think this is necessarily a cash grab at all. I think this is a genuine a gift to the fans that they've been calling out for for ages. I did. I remember I saw on Disney that they did this kind of reunion a couple of years ago. And the, the number of times that was watched, the number of people that talked about it, they talked about getting the, the cast back together. This was genuinely a much-awaited, much-wanted sequel. And I think fans of the original will go back into this and there will be elements of this that they love. I'm thinking about the, there's a scene where they go into a department store 
and they're like eating all the makeup and things oh they're supposed to like rejuvenate your skin and make you younger so they're they're eating the makeup products and the moisturizers and what have you and this is kind of a callback to a scene that was deleted from the original hocus pocus in the 90s in the trailer you'll see if you go back to the original trailer Catherine and jemmy's character mary going through a supermarket or or a convenience store eating items off the shelves that aren't for it and and the fans have been saying for a long time now where's that scene why can't they put these scenes back in that were hinted at in the trailers and then got dropped out this, I think, is a, a love letter for the fans. This is, here's that scene again, reshot, updated, you get it, finally. And, you know, you get everything you wanted from this film. I, I thought they did a great job. It's real fan service, but in the truest sense of the word, and with the right motive, I think, and the right agenda. So I, I object to it being a cash grab. It's not that at all. And, yeah, I think they might be teeing up a franchise, but um, they're not going to shoehorn the Sanderson sisters in again. So and that, in turn, explains why they got this character arc because they didn't they were two-dimensional in the first film you know don't get me wrong we enjoyed watching them were great pantomime villains but there wasn't much to their character they weren't really fleshed out here we've got a bit more to them we know their motive we know more about them we know more about why they are the way they are and how they wind up and that shot of redemption i think is kind of a nice way just to salute the sanderson sisters off into the night like that's the end of three of the best uh disney villains we've seen in a long time you know and uh it's, it's a good way to see them go rather than just disappearing in a in a haze of sparks as they do in the first one. Okay, thanks for that, Dave. It was interesting to get a kind of more coherent point of view than some of this <laughs> shit snowman that Gav, that Gav started talking about. <laughs> Come on from you, me. Fucking... <laughs> Don't antagonize the judge, Gav. Don't antagonize the judge. Shit and a bit of light or whatever it was. It's been impossible. Jesus Christ, mate. <laughs> Fucking pot calling kettle black here. Yeah, but at least my ones make sense. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what does it make sense about a snowman made out of shit? It's a very clear analogy, that. Okay, Alex, I'll let you have your say here. So, um, you, you know, Ozzy has said, Ozzy and Dave have both said it's not a cash grab and it's, um, you know, very much kind of paying tribute to the original, but also offering, you know, fresh take for, for newer audiences. And obviously, Gar is saying it is a cash grab. Um, too much of, of what's done, um, you know, kind of doesn't uh, make sense after you've seen the original, maybe doesn't uh, kind of play into the characters' personalities that are set out in that original film. Um, so what do you think about that? And then also maybe move on to uh, the actual characters themselves and, uh, you, know, you know, that type of thing. Sure. I, 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 you know, I, I don't think it's a cash grab. I don't think it's going to grab much cash. And like Dave says, it's been put on the, uh, you know, on the, out on the streaming service. I just think it's one of those Disney ones that's a bland sequel. And, you know, a lot of the Disney sequels, when you think about them, like Lion King 2 and Mulan 2 and all that, they're very bland and they're very forgettable. And Hocus Pocus 2 completely follows that pattern. It's just, it's quite a focus group driven, quite a boring watch, basically. It's not got a lot to it. And it just deserves to sort of stay in a streaming service and, and not be watched again, really. It's nothing, not really got much of a sort of a joy of the original. And, you know, Dave was saying about it, you know, when you think about the Disney films, you've got like Coco and you've got Encanto and you've got Moana and Turning Red. These are all original, really quite sharp, quite good, you know, really big films that come out. Hocus Pocus, I would probably argue, doesn't deserve to be on that list. But, you know, someone, someone, some might like Ozzy would argue that it definitely does. But Hocus Pocus 2 is that bland sequel that comes along and it's just, it's got nothing of itself. It's just quite a, quite a boring watch. And I'm going to say that, Yes, there's a very thin plot that runs through it. The actual things that are going on, friendship groups between the witches is quite boring. There's sort of a dumb boyfriend that comes in. It's very, it was a subplot with the shopkeeper uh, who's being held hostage by the sisters and a zombie. They're all very boring, quite, quite. Um, there's a really long subplot about the mayor who wants a toffee apple that's just incredibly bizarre. I just didn't what didn't find it funny at all. And then they kept plugging it and it just wasn't working. I'm going to lay the blame of Hocus Pocus 2 on uh, the three main actresses, to be honest. That's why I know that's why I did not enjoy the film. I did not think their performances were very good. I, I was watching the film and I didn't mind this. I like, dis disagree with Gav. I thought it was maybe a bit confusing, the backstory, but I didn't mind it, to be, to be honest. Then the girls come in and, all right, yeah, I can see there's links now between the, the backstory of the, the witches and then there's this friendship group. And then it's like, oh, right, you know, so the witches are coming in. And I'm not going to lie. I was thinking, oh, I've got to prosecute this. And I think this is all right. And then they turned up and I thought, oh, no, this is not too bad. This isn't, you know, this is going to be too bad, actually, because they're just not good. And I'd say there's a mixture of 
they're not done they're not used very well in the script and the story but i'd also say i just don't think the performances are particularly good um first bit gav spot on like what what are they are they evil are they good they never really do anything that redeems themselves as good they never really see themselves as anything but evil and yet they never do anything particularly evil either so it's it's like it's not really got that halloween feel of evil characters doing evil things what it seems to try to mine is this sort of like a comedy bit so you're not sure whether you're laughing or you're finding them scary you know you you're doing neither really but the, the jokes are just appalling. They're just quite cringy. The bit with the one way or another song is, I, I actually cringed. Like I genuinely literally cringed as that, as soon as that came on. There's, it's stuff like, you know, the fish out of water, we're walking through automatic doors and we're like, oh, it's because I'm a, you know, it's because the automatic doors love me. And, you know, it, there's just these lines that run up. There's Alexa, who's this woman who's trapped in a box? And it's just like, oh God, you know, it, it, it's really not inspiring or funny stuff they're asking them to improvise a lot of this i think they you know they're giving them the setup and then they're asking the three main actresses to sort of do an improvisation and and it just it just didn't feel like they'd done much rehearsal on it it, it feel like they'd all pitched up the three of them on set got straight into costume and then did the scene really it just doesn't feel like they're having much fun it it didn't i didn't enjoy it and yeah i'd, I'd say it's pretty bad in hocus pocus 2 when you think it starts getting shit when the first when the main three actresses turn up and that is when i thought the film tanked so it's bland and the only thing that could have saved it is are those three actresses and i, I just didn't i don't think they came anywhere near saving hocus pocus 2 from the the mulan 2 the lion king 2 you know basement basket bin basically you mean the the uh the section where gav shops regularly yeah <laughs> basically it's got it's got a nice little uh part on gav shelf yeah definitely it will be i couldn't stop looking at you so i started laying into the three main actresses oh, and saw your eyebrows <laughs> just the fucking disbelief of like <laughs> eyebrows going halfway to mars <laughs> Ozzy leaves the podcast. You don't see him for fifty minutes before until he turns up, like coming through that door. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he puts yeah. a sack over your head and beats you with a My legs like kicking out. <laughs> Meanwhile, the other three of us just sit here, like. <laughs> Yeah, we've yeah, got a quiz. And he said my DVDs were shit. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Ozzy, uh, Alex has pulled the pin out there quite uh, quite dramatically and said that the, the worst part about the film is, is the three sisters. And obviously, you know, ha haven't seen the original, they were the main part of the film. So, what have you got to say to that? I mean, I. I mean, I suppose there's a, there's a there's an element of um, interpretation from all of us. However, I thought that they looked like they thoroughly enjoyed revisiting these characters. For me, I thought that that while there probably was a host of your backing character now improvise, you know, this is the situation. Let's do what you want to do. I genuinely thought there was a there was a joyousness to the whole to the whole scene that they were giving rain to just revisit these characters and this is the situation we're, we'll play it out and let's see what happens and I thought I, I really did think it had a bit of a like organic maybe isn't quite the right word in terms of you know a film like this but I thought they, they really were allowed to just go back remember what it felt like to play that character and we're gonna we're gonna do this new scene in that way and I think they did a great job but I, I really do think that they, you know it's the exact opposite it's a cheesy, fun film. You know, the same as the first one. It was never a... See, the first one was definitely scarier. And it had more of a horror premise, you know. And like like Gav and Alex said, that there were more hints to how evil they were as characters in, in the first one. Um, you know, and, and and just genuinely, the, the first one's plot is, is more linked to we're going to kill children. You know, <laughs> it's like this this time round. It's only it's only really hinted that they talk about it. It really happens. So so I could get that it's not nearly as scary, but 
they I think they had I think there was a lot of fun to be had with this and and it, and I think it's aimed at a different it, it's aimed at a different um group of people this time round for sure so so while the 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 jeopardy isn't there like previously in terms of these are horrible people they're still they're still played as an evil character it's still we're still told that you know she is an evil character Winnie in particular and what happens with Winnie is she knows she can't cast the spell that's going to keep them alive so she casts this this power spell which is the exact spell that mother witch said don't cast you know i think it's a bit of a it's a little bit of a beauty it's a little bit predictable that that's what happens but there's a bit of a beauty in terms of storytelling when you think about who it's aimed at it's almost the you need to you need to realize who who you'll lose if you want to gain absolute power and the thing that you have to lose if you gain this power is the things you love she she doesn't realize that things she loves are two sisters so she casts the spell. The sisters die. The only thing she wants to do is 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 leave this world as well. There's a, a, a whole host of um of clever storytelling that went on that was aimed at you know young teenagers, young children, right up to you know that sort of fourteen, fifteen year year age. And I think there was some clever storytelling went on and some good morals. They they sort of murder her at the end though, don't they? In the nicest way for Disney, they sort of because she doesn't ask to be released, does she? To death, she's, <laughs> she's she doesn't know. She she thinks they're going to bring back the sisters, which would be you know option A. But then they're like, no, we, you're dead. And she's like, yeah. luckily for Hoka Fruit, because it's a Disney film, she's she accepts death like like that. Do you know what I mean? She's just like, great, I'm I'm ready to go. No, I'm pretty sure that but, she does acknowledge that she wants to go to her sisters rather than them come back to her. I think she, she knows she's she, died. No, no, she die. doesn't. When they do the spell, she's like, where are they? And then yeah, oh yeah, yeah she doesn't know them. Yeah, she goes, oh, where are they? And it's like, oh no, they're not oh, yeah, coming. Yeah. Sorry, oh, no. we've murdered you, and you're about to die. Like, You're about like the veil don't... will be taken away and you will see death now. Mm. I mean, obviously they say it in a nice Disney way. Yeah, yeah. But, the, I mean, in some ways, <laughs> it's the euthanizer. Yeah, euthanizer. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's like it's like it's like somebody not having a very good time on a roller coaster and saying that they want to, <laughs> yeah. and then you mad with them. <laughs> but the just, ride's still going on. Oh, you you want to get <laughs> off and you just undo their seatbelt. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, so. Uh, uh, I'll go to you. I'll go to you now, Dave. So we've we've got a few co- kind of contrasting views on the characters, which is which is kind of fairly obvious that we would do. But what I want to kind of know from you is: Are there any kind of you know background characters? Are there any kind of other notable cast members or any really good performances? And then just maybe you know wrap up your your thoughts on the film. Yeah, I can do. Um, I'd say the supporting cast is pretty solid, to be honest with you. It's a nice cameo from Hannah Waddingham, which is a seasoned professional. You know what you're going to get. It's great to see Doug Jones back as Billy Butcherson. It's a bigger role for him. Uh, he was pretty much mutant, just like chasing the kids for the most of Hocus Pocus 1. Now he's back. He <laughs> was. He was. No, he was. He was. He was. It's just, a, just, a, just, a, just a funny way of saying it. But yeah, no, it was completely, 100% right, Dave. It's, it's a funny film. Okay. <laughs> uh, and he's back in this one. And obviously his mouth isn't sewn shut from the get-go, so he's got more of a speaking role. It's a bigger role generally for for Billy Butcherson. Uh, and yeah, it's great to see him. Doug Jones is a is a dab hand. He's a great character actor. I liked uh, Sam Richardson, who plays Gilbert. He's the owner of the magic shop in Salem, which is, as Ozzy said before, it's the, the old Sanderson house. You still got the old set, but it's become kind of a tourist destination. He sells like little Wiccan items and things like that. And he's the one who's basically engineered the, the return of the Sanderson sisters. Unwittingly, he's, he's He's engineered their return. Now he knew what he was doing, but he's not done it for he's not done it for sinister reasons. Uh, and he he comes a cropper against them. But I liked him. I thought he was good. Uh, gave a good comedic performance. I thought the three girls, uh, Becca, Rosie, and Cassie, I thought they did really well. Uh, I like how they they vibe with one another. I like how the uh, they, they rift off one another. Uh, I thought it was very good. Ultimately, though, despite the fact the supporting cast is solid, it it does come down to your three leads. It is down to Bette Midler, Sarah Jessica Parker, and Kathy and Jimmy to carry this film. And I have to disagree with Alex. I think they did a brilliant job. It is great to see the three of them back on screen again with that chemistry that they had in the first film. It's not been lost. It's not been diluted. Sure, they're older, but that's about all you can say about it. They, you know, they've still got that energy and that chemistry. And yeah, I thought they were great together. I thought they really lifted the film. That's why you needed all three of them. If you were just missing just one, 
the film wouldn't work. You know, you couldn't have had Bette Midler and Kathy and Jimmy and recast Sarah Jessica. It wouldn't have worked. Um, but that's why it's great to get the three of them back together, pro- probably for the last time. And I thought, yeah, the, the film hinges on them and they are on form. So I think that that really pulls it through. And all in all, I'd say this is a decent film. You know, we're looking at the equivalent of a made-for-TV in this day and age. You know, this was only designed to be streamed on Disney+. Plus. That was all they wanted. They weren't thinking about box office figures or making money on this one. Uh, but that said, they have put the money in. You know, they got decent stars and they got big names. You know, they got the original stars that people wanted to see back and they they paid them whatever it was they wanted to be paid. This, they've used decent CGI, I think. I, I don't think it looks particularly tired at all. I think it works. They've clearly put some money into this and I do think it's for the fans. And I think it's paid off. I think they've done a, an excellent job. Okay, thanks, Dave. Um, so, Gav, like we already discussed, that this would potentially be right at home on your DVD shelf. So, why is it that you dislike this film? <laughs> why Why would it be on the shit shit shelf and not the Gav shit shelf? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I find it hard to actually disagree with some of what Dave said, to be honest, because. I do think that a lot of the supporting cast are very good and they are all actors and actresses who I really like. The thing that I would say here and the main theme running throughout this film is that of underutilization. Hannah Waddington is brilliant, great addition to the cast, but she's only in it for about three minutes and then she's never seen again. And I think the setup is that, as Dave said earlier on, she's going to feature in some form or another down the line in another Hocus Pocus film or TV show, whatever. And that will be great. You know, her performance in that will be great. But to say that, oh, yeah, she, she's a, a key part of this film or she's yeah, she really, really helps this film. Not really. She's only in it for about three minutes or so. Then you've got Sam Richardson, who I absolutely love. I think he's really, really funny. He's fantastic. If you're going to have him in your film, why not utilize him to his full potential? He's just sort of like a hanger on who does these odd jobs for the witches because he has to. He doesn't really have anything of substance to do or say. He doesn't really have that much of a character arc either. He just sort of like is a nice guy who owns a shop and then he does a bad deed and then he has to go and do some things for the sisters and then at the end of the film he's a nice guy again you know he doesn't really have any redeeming fact you know feature where he's like oh i apologize for doing that shitty trick where i made you light the black candle none of that then you've got tony hale before fantastic comedy actor Massively underutilized. As Alex said, you had this whole fucking thing of him trying to get this fucking toffee apple, which literally, I'm going to say, took up about 15 minutes of the entire run of the film, maybe even more, split up into different sections for what I just don't understand. And the thing that also annoyed me is that, like, as Alex said before, you had this, this identity crisis i think with regards to the characters and whether they're villains or heroes or not you know are we supposed to like the sanderson sisters are we supposed to hate them i don't know you have at the at the beginning i'd say the first like sort of 30 minutes or so they find out the sanderson sisters find out that tony hale's character who is the mayor of the town is a direct descendant of the mayor of the town that they lived in obviously 300 and odd years ago with direct descendants and he was the witch finder general or whatever and he was a big big villain and now they're saying that well this guy's got to be a villain as well because it's a direct descendant but he's actually a really nice character so they paint him as a villain but are we supposed to see him as a villain as well even though he does nice things are we supposed to see the sisters as villains you know it's all very messy then you've got the three like young actresses who played the witches at the beginning you know, yeah, they all ably perform the roles well, but the characters themselves are pretty bland and unmemorable. They don't really have a lot to do at the very beginning. So there are, as you said before, Joel, lots of like kind of supporting characters here and there, lots of really good names here and there as well. But it's what they have to do in the film, which is really what's lacking. They don't really have a lot to do or say. The characters are very weak and just very underwhelming. And it just goes to show you there's such little character development for anybody in this film that the writers resort to fucking humanizing the spell book. <laughs> you know, there's a moment <laughs> the, the Sanderson sisters are about to complete this big power spell, but then the book decides to instead choose to side up with the heroes instead. The fucking book. 
as a heroic character arc, <laughs> a book man. Like we honestly, were, we were told from the start that the book didn't like that spell. I don't, I don't, <laughs> I don't care, man. It's no, a book. It's, well, like, well, why well, not well, put well, that much it's effort? Like you with this podcast, man. You are like you're power hungry, and and if we had a book that was guiding this, it would have shut long ago and passed the book over to Dave or to Alex just to. To even out the balance, you know, because you are power hungry, just like Winifred. Yeah, but um, I mean, I'm not Joel. denying that. Joel. <laughs> Joel. <laughs> Joel. <laughs> yeah, good point, well made. Ozzy. It's always weird the ones that get us, isn't it? Hocus Pocus too. Who knew? Who knew? Who knew this would bring it out? These okay. long, aired, the unaired grievances that we've had for years <laughs> in our friendship, and it, it just takes a little spark, hocus pocus, too, to, <laughs> to set the blaze. What I was going to say, actually, on sort of on that point, I, I think we might have spent longer discussing Hocus Pocus 2 than anyone did, like planning and thinking about the story <laughs> or writing it, or do you know, or, or any of it, to be honest. Like it, you know, like, and I'm not saying it's not like, oh my God, you know, let's burn Hocus Pocus 2 and never ever. But Dave's right. It's a straight to TV movie and it's, you know, it's, it's a two star movie at best, you know, and it, it just doesn't have anything really pushing it, you know, and, and it's weird because it does have those three main stars. So you're expecting something, maybe I had two higher expectations or something, but they shouldn't be in a made for TV movie. If you're going to do it, do it properly and maybe do a theatrical release. It just feels quite bored feels quite tired and it just doesn't feel like anyone cares it feels like we we just feels like we care far more than anyone who made the film does okay so i think i've got enough to go on here unless anyone's got anything really small and i mean really small that they want to uh finish with nope okay uh, i believe <laughs> dave you've got a, a nice little tasty quiz for us I do. I do have a quiz. Given that this is Hocus Pocus 2, Cat gave me the idea of maybe you should do a quiz on covens. Ooh. So I've done you know, a whole quiz about covens that I've called a game of crones. Question. One thing before we go. Yeah. If you remember when Roger Ebert was alive, he gave. <laughs> Jesus <laughs> Christ. Oh my God. Would you let that poor man rest. <laughs> <laughs> Let both Hocus Pocus 2 and Roger Ebert lie in rest. <laughs> that man, that man got it so far wrong. He gave the original one-star review, right? Mm -hmm. And now the people who look after his legacy yeah. have revisited Hocus Pocus and looked at Hocus Pocus 2 and said, Roger was wrong. He was an idiot. So they gave this three and a half stars, which is not far off Alex who said, Two stars plus three stars. Out of five. <laughs> out of ten, I meant. Out of ten. Out of ten. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, you've got, to, you've got to consider that there are major, major critics who love this film, and I'm not a major, major critic by a long way, Yet. but I love this film. Yes. <laughs> Ozzy, just l let the poor man fucking rest. <laughs> you like the Sanderson sisters constantly bringing up fucking Billy Butcherson. <laughs> <laughs> Every Halloween we resurrect Roger Ebert. <laughs> Poor Roger Ebert. <laughs> okay. Question one, just buzz in or get cough in Gav's case, whatever you got to do. Um, <laughs> in the original Hocus Pocus, after burning the Sanderson sisters in a kiln, Danny and Allison dance in front of a fountain. In which sitcom's opening credits will you get Austin? Friends. It is the same fountain from Friends. Point to Austin. Not yep, so. it's uh, it's not in New York or in Salem. It is in uh, Burbank, California, apparently. There you go. There you go. Who knew? Question number two. Name either of the actors who played the hotel manager, Mr. Stringer, in either the original 1990 version of The Witches or the 2020 remake. I'll take either for the point. Oh, um, and uh, bam, uh, yes, Stanley, Stanley Tucci. Yeah, that'll do. Stanley Tucci is one, and the 1990 version was Rowan Atkinson. Ah. Uh, in Hansel and Gretel, witch hunters Jeremy Renner and Gemma Arterton play the eponymous siblings who destroy a coven of witches. Although they're meant to be almost the same age, what is the actual age gap between those actors? Is it A, five years, B, 10 years, C, 15 years, D, 20 years? 10. B, 10. A fifteen. Uh, in Jeremy's favour. A fifteen. A five. 
Uh, that is a point to Joel and Gav. It is 15. Wow. Yeah, 15. Yeah, I mean, Renner's looking good. He's, he's aging well. Uh, no, question number four. The Death Eaters are the antagonists of the Harry Potter film series, but which of the following names belongs to an actual Death Eater? I say actual as in they're actually a Death Eater, not like the real. But you know, <laughs> I was going to say, like, what? Yeah. <laughs> one of the real Dave, ones that the films d- were based Dave, on. Dave, let's have a sit down at some <laughs> point. And... <laughs> but which of these names is the name of a Death Eater? Is it Theodore Agnew, Augustus Rookwood, Guy Black or Jasset Ormsby Gore? E Augustus. You reckon Augustus Rookwood? Anyone else? I'll go for Theodore Rookwood. Or Theodore whatever. Theodore the guy, Agnew. The guy, guy Black. Oh, the, the, the other one that no one's picked. Jasset Ormsby Gore. Uh, point to Austin. That is Wait. Augustus Rookwood. Uh, so where did th- you get Jasset Ormsby Gore from? The other three are all conservative members of the House of Lords. <laughs> oh, <right>. <laughs> <laughs> That's brilliant, Dave. Just, just throw, arguably, throw them in there. Arguably real Death Eaters. Yeah, scary <laughs> Death Eaters, I have to say. <laughs> Question number five. Lamia, Mormo, and Empusa are the names of three witches appearing in which Neil Gaiman novel turned 2007 film? Oh, Bam. Oh, Gav. Stardust? Correct. It is Stardust. Point to Gav. Question number six. Alternative rock band Love Spit Love recorded a version of the Smith song How Soon Is Now for the Coven-centric film The Craft. This version of the song was reused three years later as the theme for which Coven-centric TV series? Charmed. It is Charmed. Point hey. to Alex. <laughs> Question number seven, which MCU regular appears as the antagonist in 2006's Warlock-based supernatural horror, The Covenant? The Red Witch, where her name is. Is not Elizabeth Olsen. Oh. Oh, I don't even know the film. Uh, it gives a clue of the uh, hero or a villain in the MCU. Hero in the MCU. Well, yeah, anti-hero in the MCU. Ooh. Sebastian Stan. Point to Alex. It is Sebastian Stan. Well done, Alex. Well done, Alex. Well Question done. number eight. The Tans Academy in Freiburg houses a coven of witches in the plot of which 1977 horror film? Ah, uh, Suspiria. Oh, yeah. Gabs- Correct. Joel is Suspiria. <laughs> he he I was am- too angry to answer. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I said the cat. If Gav doesn't get that, that one, I don't know. that psychedelic mist around him? Yeah. <laughs> I just thought for a minute, like, why uh, just come on with a really bad headache? But... <laughs> <laughs> Aneurysm. Question number nine. Arthur Miller's play The Crucible, which was adapted into a film in 1996, concerns the Salem witch trials, which took place towards the end of the 17th century. In what year was the last convicted witch, and I'm using the quotation marks there, exonerated? I'll give you a clue. Yeah. Uh, I was going to say it's more recent than you think. All right. Uh, 2016. (laughs) 2016 from Joel. I reckon it's even more recent than that. Is I, it I, Trump? I, yeah. yeah, because because in, in Salem there isn't there something like fifty percent of the entire town are, are witches now, and I reckon it would have been a recent development. So I'm going to say like twenty twenty. Yeah, but they don't need exonerating, do they? Unless you know. Well, yeah, know, I'm talking about someone who was actually in. convicted and sentenced to death. When would they like appeal? When was that? When was the conviction overturned? Yeah, that's what I meant. You know, like because it, like, yeah, wasn't it like just, they could have been murdered and then years and years later? Wasn't it like in summer? Twenty twenty one. This summer. Twenty twenty one. That's eighteen fifty. So it's no, eighteen fifty from Alex. No, it wasn't it like it. Twenty twenty one. Twenty twenty one from Gav. Twenty sixteen from Joel, and this summer twenty twenty two from Austin. I think it was like the end of COVID shit. That is a point to Austin. It is 2022. It happened in August. It happened in August, yeah. 22-year-old Elizabeth Johnson, convicted of witchcraft, uh, sentenced to death, but had a death sentence mercifully commuted at the time by the governor, was finally exonerated of witchcraft in August this year. Is this in Wales? This is Salem. You can finally rest. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It happened, you know, so many hundred years ago, but it's only just been exonerated now. More than 300 years for that conviction to be overturned. And finally, question 10. Can I just point out, uh, Gavin, Ozzy, you're both on three points. Joel and Alex, you're on two. This is, still, this is still all to play for. We could have a three-way tie or maybe an out-and-out winner. Ooh, question number 10. Three-way. 
You're right clicking. You <laughs> the actor, Catherine Hunter, played the role of all three members of arguably the most famous coven in literature in which 2021 Joel Cohen film? Bam! Oh. Oh, go on, Ozzy. I was going to say Macbeth, but it's not called Macbeth, is it? Gav? It's, isn't it like The Trial of Macbeth? Anyone else? Oh, shit, no. The, the Tragedy of Macbeth. That is correct. Final point to Gavin is the tragedy of Macbeth. But I've got to say, Ozzy, you nearly had him. Yeah, right. I'd, I'd say Ozzy had that before. If, if, yeah, if you being... We knew it was... I'll tell you what, everybody wins. Everybody Apart from wins. Alex. Apart from... Oh, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Apart from... <laughs> but right. yeah, that, that is a, tr- a game of Crohn's. <laughs> That's a good quiz, Dave. If yeah, anything, it's... Um, you know, taught me that I need to brush up on my witches. Mm-hmm. Uh so yeah, back to and you some good websites, Kev. Uh Joel. <laughs> <laughs> I, d- I didn't even hear what he just said. What did he say? He said he could show you some good websites. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing I haven't already seen, also. <laughs> Is there anything of... you haven't seen, Joel? That's <laughs> <laughs> a broom play. <laughs> okay, so uh here's my take on this. Um I did not like when Gav pointed out that, you know, in the original, the three witches were basically, you know, child killers. And in this one, you're kind of almost made to to sympathize with them and maybe get behind them as characters. And for me, that seems like a little bit of a backward step. And I also have kind of fond memories, like as a child, you know, watching Hocus Pocus one, I think it was kind of like the right amount of creepy for when you were that age. Um, And, you know, even Austin admitted in this one that you know it's it's not very scary and it's you know that creepy kind of part of it isn't there and for me that's that's like a a major kind of you know a selling point i think for the original because it it is kind of like that gateway drug into horror films for kids (laughs) you know as opposed to watching um saw or something when you're three like gav does (laughs) Um, so uh you know uh, apart from that you know obviously um both uh, uh Gav and Alex were were talking about the three main characters and how they were essentially one of the worst points of the film. And uh, although the the background and supporting characters were good, the the three main characters perhaps maybe let let the side down a little bit, which again seems seems very strange to me. Um, considering you know it's essentially about those three characters and. Although, um, you know, Dave and Austin gave some good kind of counter arguments to that, saying that actually the performances are, are all very good and the character development is there and you do kind of, uh, you know, rally behind them towards the end and uh, that type of thing. It, it does kind of sound like it's maybe Disney doing what Disney has done a lot recently in terms of just kind of looking for, for a quick book and in terms of, you know, reviving dead franchises and reviving dead characters that didn't need to be revived. Um, so I think, you know, all in all, it sounds as though it's a, it, it's quite muddled as a film. I can't really remember too many, you know, points from the defense where they said, oh, you know, this bit was amazing. And, you know, you'll, you'll really enjoy like this scene or that scene, for example. So, yeah, I, I think for me, it, it's kind of, firmly on the shit list and i thought it would maybe be a little bit more equal but yeah unfortunately it doesn't sound like it's uh it's it's all that as a film especially when you know the original for people of our age slash era uh probably have got fond memory fond memories of so uh yeah shit list i'm afraid ozzy the kid of ozzy's face (laughs) Did you see the thousand yard stare he had? Just looking into the distance, <laughs> like just the anger and disappointment conflicting. I could hear the words, but they just weren't sinking in. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay, genuine opinions. I think let's let's leave Ozzy to last. Alex, how did you feel about the film? It's not good. I was honest about the whole thing. I didn't. I didn't think the three main performances were good, and I, I definitely think it's just a straight up Disney sequel. No one cares. Characters are established. We don't have to do anything. Basically, don't fuck it up and do the middle. You know, go down the middle line, and just a bit like Home Alone four, five, whatever, and all the remakes were just just quite a boring watch. 
Yeah, I'd have to agree, to be honest. I, it was all right. I, I didn't massively dislike it, but it, it didn't... Th th there's no part of that that I'm going to remember in about a year or two's time and be like, oh, God, you remember that scene from Hocus Pocus 2? It was just very bland, and it shouldn't have been, because I think the first one... I, I think the first one, when it first came out, it wasn't that well-received, but it has gone on to become a massive like, cult classic, and those characters have become these huge icons and i think that it feels a little bit like a disservice to them because it just feels a little bit bland in, in my opinion dave what are your thoughts it's all right but i say that with like the leaning that i probably would have edged it onto the shit list myself it's just not that good i disagree with alex's point genuinely that uh, midler and jimmy and parker didn't turn up i thought they were good I thought the chemistry was still there. I thought they were the one saving grace, really. At the no, that's not the one saving grace. There were a few things that that they got right. Um, I do think people cared in the making of this film. It was it was fan service, but in the right way. Uh, but ultimately, the, I think everyone involved was done dirty by the script and the story. I think the script was poorly written, and I think the story was was you know awful. You know, I appreciate they didn't want to just rehash things from the original, but they tried to come up with something else that just didn't work and didn't fit. Um. I didn't much care for it, to be honest with you. I, I think, yeah, the story was, you know, 25 years in the making, and that's the best story they can come up with. And therefore, on top of that, the script just was not sharp enough, wasn't funny enough. Thank God they let uh, Bette Midler and co. ad-lib a bit more. You know, there were some funny moments. You know, I liked the... Uh, you, you remember the scene in the original one where they got... no the, Their brooms get stolen, so they need, like, a vacuum cleaner and a mop and stuff. They do the same thing again, but, like, with a squeegee and Katina Jimmy straps two rumbas to her feet. <laughs> so she's going off with these, like, portable vacuum cleaners trying to use them like roller skates. I thought that was quite a good idea, you know, an upbeat on the, an uptake on the joke. Um, and then the rumbas, like, follow her around and she thinks they're pets. You know, I thought that was quite fun. There are some okay moments, but the script is not good enough by far. Dave, just out of curiosity, do you think that it was a case of them trying to set up for a third film or something else? Mm. With... No, I genuinely think I'm, I'm thinking I'm feeling TV series in my bones. I'm thinking they're, they're going to go for a TV series. I don't. It's not set in stone. And I think they're just hedging their bets. That's why they got Hannah Waddingham in there. And that's why it's such a small role for such quite for quite a big name actress. Mm -hmm. I think they're thinking maybe they can get like a little Disney Channel TV series out of this or something. I don't think they're going to go making loads of films or really trying to plug it that much. Mm -hmm. But if the fans want it, I think they may do something. Uh, and I also like the inclusion of a couple of the uh, RuPaul's Drag Race contestants playing a, mm -hmm. a drag version of the Sanderson sisters at the costume uh, uh, costume competition. I thought that was a nice inclusion. When yeah. you when you said Hocus Pocus universe, it made my yeah. mind implode a little bit. <laughs> Everywhere's <laughs> getting a universe now. Everybody's oh my god! I know, I know. But then, I mean, I always think about when we did Alita Battle Angel, and that was essentially the Elitaverse. One. Yeah, well, yeah. Well, that was a massive setup for a film that just didn't come. And I yeah. feel like that maybe that was the same here. And I think that there would have been quite a decent script or a story of the Sanderson sisters being brought back to help fight a bigger evil. That, that, to me, is definitely more appealing. That could have got a theatrical release, especially after 30 years, especially with the amount of buzz that there is behind this film. It's a kind original... of a, a hocus-pocus suicide squad sort of thing. <laughs> yeah. The villains but, are now on our side. Yeah. You know, it would have been a hell of a lot better than what we got. Any, no. Anyway, I'm, I'm, I'm divulging massively here because the real interesting part here is to find out what Ozzy actually thought about this film. Ozzy, did you like it as much as you liked the original I I did like it. I probably would have eased it onto the hit list. For me, it's not nearly as good as, as Hocus Pocus, the original. Uh, uh, but I do think everyone had fun. I think it was a good film. It's slickly done. It's cheesy. It's knowingly cheesy. But um, I'm not surprised it isn't on hit list, if that makes sense. <laughs> you know, I'm not surprised it didn't make it. So, um, so. But I, I think it was a good film overall. It just wasn't, it's not the same film that we expect, you know, that you would want. It's not the same, but it's a different audience. We've got a TikTok audience these days, and this this thing had all the jokes that that type of audience would want, um, which don't always hammer home with, with, with us, old, old people. <laughs> Middle-aged men over here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
basically Thank it, it pains me to say it, but we're no longer the audience that people are aiming to. The hocus pocus, yeah. <laughs> that, that, that has passed a little while. I think I think maybe, Ozzy, if that's a shock, you might, you might <laughs> I think it's a little bit of a delayed reaction there, Ozzy, if you just... <laughs> you just come into terms with the fact that Hocus Pocus 2, you're not the target audience. <laughs> <laughs> I had the same thing. I switched off Paw Patrol the other day. I was just like, this, this isn't meant for me. <laughs> these, these characters, there's no nuance to them. There's no complexity. Oh, wait. Oh, God. As you were eating your hummus, you just hang on a minute. Hang on a minute. There's... <laughs> I was just like, yeah, the, the, fire, the fireman one, I'm like, Marshall, in America, they call them fire marshals. <laughs> this is genius. <laughs> okay, so thank you very much for that summary, Joel. Uh, just quickly, higher or lower than our previous film on trial, which was... <laughs> The impossible. The yeah, impossible. I, 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 <laughs> God, lower, please. Please be lower. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The impossible yeah, scored 81 and 84% <laughs> on Rotten Tomatoes for yeah. critical and audience scores. Hooks Pokes 2 got 63 and 51. So That's not bad. 51 audience. 51 audience, yeah. Lower Ooh, than critical. That's quite bad. Yeah. If the other way around, for Hocus Pocus, you'd expect the yeah. uh the fans other way to around. come out there yeah. yeah fans haven't liked it that's that's not great mm-hmm. and and people have not liked it enough to actually kind of fucking review it and say it's shit for hocus pocus too that's uh yeah, not good mm. uh, so thank you very much for your arguments guys and thank you to all of listened to this episode really appreciate every one of you for taking the time out to listen to our stuff if you want more films on trial content go to filmsontrial.co.uk Check us out on any podcasting platform and check us out on all the social medias as well at Film Trials on Twitter and Film on Trial on everything else. So uh, we were going to be in your ears in a week or two's time when we continue our Halloween Horror Month with the horror classic, The Exorcist. So, yeah, that's going to be a very interesting trial, that one there. Um, but before we go, what have we learned from today? Well, we've learned that you can build a snowman out of shit, but people might not know what it is. <laughs> <laughs> and ultimately, that Hocus Pocus 2 is a shit. And we're going to be in your ears next week with The Exorcist. Goodbye. Country's <laughs> See you later. God, we are old fucking people, aren't we? Yeah. Tonight? <laughs> but you can tell you can tell we're fucking old and not hocus pocus because we spent a little bit talking about the highway code. <laughs> oh, he's fucking cyclists here. Yeah. Anyway.